This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app. And I'm Lyle Southwell and this is... Monglash. And we are about to dig into our Encounter with God section, our 20 million movement where 20 million people around the world all study the same passage of the Bible at the same time and you get the opportunity to join with them. What have we got for uh, our next clue on our quiz there, Mon? Okay, Breakfast Bible Quiz clue number three. Mm-hmm. What book of the Bible, excuse me, what book of the Bible that is? My fourth chapter says that church leaders were given to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. My fourth chapter says that church leaders were given to prepare God's people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up. Lyle is correct, not only gave me... Book, chapter, and verse, done. Well, it just told you the chapter, so they didn't really get the chapter. You just got the verse. Oh, okay. And I should double check it because you're a scoundrel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I could be out by one or two. I could be out by one. Yeah, I could, yeah. It's possible I'm out by All one. All that confidence. But no more than by two. Bravado. All right, Mon, what is, uh, what is happening in our... What is happening right now is I don't know where my Bible is. Okay. I um, found some bananas, but not a Bible. Phone? Phone will do? I guess I'll, I guess I'll have to go with my phone. Yep. While you're looking for your oh, phone... Um, I have some Bibles. Hang on. Okay. Bibles are coming on. And while Mon is getting herself sorted out, finding her Bible, finding her phone, getting her life in order. My crochet. Um, discovering who she is, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we do need to mention that um, on the 11th of October, we are scheduled to close here at the breakfast show um, indefinitely, taking an indefinite break. We uh, do not have a viable uh, way forward right now. Um, definitely looking at options, but uh, at this particular point, we are planning to close. One of the things that we would love to hear from you is your support for the program. So give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or shoot us a text message on 0491-064-669. Uh, we would love to hear, with, hear from you with your, uh, with your message of support today. Um, after the breakfast show closes, we will be uh, playing some favourites. Um, I know that Faith FM is looking for another live show to come on, possibly a drive show in the future. But we would love to see the breakfast show continue. So, um, Amen. Yeah, but that's the, uh, that's the sad news as it stands right now is that we will be closing on the 11th of October. We have truly enjoyed your support and continue to do so and look forward to being able to speak with you and share with you between now and then. But still keep tuning in to Faith FM. There's still going to be great programming happening throughout the day. Uh, quality Christian content. Uh, if you know you like something with a bit more um, uplifting, you know, to listen to. And definitely send us a message of support. You know, we're never going to find a way forward if, uh, if, if, if people don't support the program. Mm-hmm. And so if you appreciate what you're hearing and if you have a message of support that you can send, 0491-064-669, that is 0491-064-669. Just text, text us a message there, doesn't need to be long, and uh, we can then you know pass those kind of things on to the powers that be and uh, you never know what might happen. Ah, let's get into our Bible study for the day, Mon. What have we got? Uh, let's go to, let me pull the Bible study up here. Let's go to Revelation chapter 14, chapter 12 and verse 17. If you could read that one for, for us, please, Mon. Chapter 12 and verse 14. 
That's the one, right down the very end of the Bible. Revelation 12 and... Did I say verse 14? Yes, you did. Verse 17. 12 verse 17 or 14 verse 12. One of those two. Whichever one you prefer. Okay, I'm just going to get all the... But go with, go with 12 17. Okay, okay. Once I get there, it's not my usual Bible. I confess, I just grabbed a Bible out of the prize box. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm we should sure give a Bible away Bible for our prize is. today. Maybe we should. You can, you, can, you can get for your prize today the Bible that Mon has used. Her hands have touched it. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Revelation 12, verse 17. So you definitely want your 100% sure? That's yeah, definitely going with that. Lock that one in. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of its name. That wasn't twelve seventeen. That was 13. 13, 17, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. we're not doing the mark okay. of the beast this morning. I would love to do a Bible study on the mark of the beast, but it's not going to happen this morning. Sorry, my we bad. We will do it one my day. My bad. We've done okay. it before. Twelve seventeen for reals this time. Yes. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's think about this passage as we have it right here. The Bible speaks about the remnant. Kind of important subject because the remnant simply means those that remain. Now, I don't know about you, Mon, but I would like to remain until Jesus comes back, right? Well... (laughs) Some people do. Some people are like, do you know what? I'd rather die before the end times. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of one of those um, situations where you sort of, but you know, it's kind of about like what what is it that you want to want to? Um, Nobody wants to go through the because uh, some people like the end times. Some people are like, you know what? I want a red hem on my garment, and some people are like, no, nah, I want to stay on the sea of glass. So it's like you know, yeah. Well, I, I kind of look at it like this. Um, there is. I, I definitely don't want to go through the trauma of end, of, of all the end time events. No, nope. right. I want to miss all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, skip. But there is a natural human reaction. The brain naturally likes to preserve life. Correct. Yeah. And so I don't want to die. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it would be super exciting, and what a story you would have to tell. Definitely bragging rights. If you live through that end time period, that very, 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 very end time period. We're living in the end times right now, but I'm talking about the very, very, very end times. And so when it all boils down, it's like, yeah, you know what? If somebody came to, you know, if God came to me tomorrow and said, you can die a peaceful uh, death, simply, you know, not wake up one night, just go to sleep and not wake up and just die in your your sleep uh, during the night and... uh, and skip straight through, you know, skip forward to the uh, to the resurrection, second coming, or you can go through right the way through to the second coming. I think I would still pick going through. Yeah, you would. I think I would. Yeah, I probably would too. To be you honest. kind of, you just kind of have to, wouldn't you? Just like, but I've got to see it. Yeah. As 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 terrifying as it as it you know might be in some respects you know and and while i say terrifying it's like well you know i'm not going to be doing this on my own mm. god's going to be with me amen so why do i really need to stress over it that's right and i think that's going to be the, the one of the best parts to see is watching god sustain you yeah mm-hmm. okay so this remnant people is important uh as important passage because it I, does identify who the remnant are it, 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 it identifies how to discover the remnant it describes them as those who keep the commandments of god so we know that the remnant will keep the commandments of god that's important and they will have the testimony of jesus uh, revelation 19 says that the testimony of jesus is the gift of prophecy and so we have uh you know you need to look for uh a movement that keeps the commandments of God and has 
the gift of prophecy, which is one of the reasons why I choose to be a Seventh-day Adventist because Same. it has both of those uh, characteristics. Mm-hmm. And so within that context, I can aspire to be a part of the remnant. Amen. Uh, which is definitely something that anyone, everyone should aspire to. To not aspire to be part of the remnant really is to, it's counterintuitive because it is choosing mediocrity. Mm-hmm. It is choosing something less than the ideal. It's like going out and saying, well, you know, this is the, this is the biggest and best opportunity. I'm going to choose the lesser of the two. That does not make any sense whatsoever at all. However, we're going to read another story. That's going to tell us something about the remnant. It kind of parallels the concept of the remnant in Exodus chapter 32. And we're going to spend some time talking about this particular story, which is all about Moses. You never thought that Moses would be related to the remnant, did you? No. Okay, so Moses is related to the remnant. So we're going to go to Exodus chapter 32. And Mon, I want you to start reading for us in verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go out before us. For, for, as, this, for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Okay, so Moses goes up into the mountain. He kind of disappears, huh? Yeah. And he's been gone for what, a month? He goes walk about. He does. Mm-hmm. And you start to feel a little bit insecure if you're... Uh, leader, your fearless leader went walkabout and uh, just disappeared and you would eventually come to the conclusion, you know, sooner or later, at some point we're going to need to move on. Yeah. At some point we're going to need to declare this person dead, make a, a declaration of death and move on. Do you think that was a little bit premature? Yeah, especially how they decided to move on was a bit stupid. In my okay, opinion. but before we get ha- get to the how, mm. do you think it was premature to decide that uh, they needed to move on? You know, at this particular. Well, it's easy for us to say that they were stupid, and yes, they were premature. But like, I don't know. Had I been there and in the moment, maybe I had a different idea. But because I know the end of the story, I'm like, yeah, they were bonehead. I mean, come on now, look at them. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so we've got this story here and uh, of Moses who is um, gone up into the mountain. And I think it's a little bit premature because, you know, particularly in those days, people knew how to survive in the bush and live off the land. Moses was very skilled at that. And traveling took a long time then. This was an area of the world that he was familiar with because he had spent a lot of time living in the, in the uh, wilderness, in the desert. He spent 40 years out there. And so, yeah, I think it was probably a bit premature, but from the sta- same standpoint, if you get a missing person and they're missing for a month, you start to figure, you know, maybe they are not coming back. Yeah, because there's also like lots of wild beasts and stuff out there. Okay, then what was wrong with their solution? So it's just like at that particular time, you know, after all God has just brought them through to then turn around and go, let's just worship some golden cows. It's just so stupid. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is what's on top of the mountain? What can they actually see on top of the mountain? A cloud. A cloud. And what have they heard come out of the cloud? Uh, lightning and thunder. Lightning and thunder, yeah. and also the voice of God. Are literally they? speaking to them the Ten Commandments. So, even so if you, Moses know that, you know that this is not an ordinary cloud. Yeah, so even if Moses is gone, even if he did get munched by some wild beast... Wouldn't they? Why would they think that equates to their God being gone? 
Yes. And they, or their God not being able to see them. I mean, if you want to see lots of things at the one time, then the place that you go is to the top of a mountain, right? Right. And so God is at the top of the mountain. So even if God is limited in a human aspect, then surely he's going to be able to see everything that takes place mm-hmm. at the foot of the mountain. Uh, the other thing that's worth considering is that in this part of the world, you don't get mountains that have a permanent cloud sitting on top of them. Right. It's a bit too hot. So, to you know, they've heard the voice of God. They've seen the thunder and lightning. They have. They know that God is there. This is the same cloud, by the way, that led them through the Red Sea, that they have been following this entire period, is now sitting on top of the mountain. It is not an ordinary cloud because ordinary clouds don't sit on top of mountains in that part of the world. So really they have no excuse. They have no excuse. And particularly, you know, it would be one thing to say, okay, Moses is dead. Um, Aaron, you need to step in and take over. But when they come to Aaron and say, okay, Moses is dead, therefore we need to find another God. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Particularly when they come to Aaron and say, we need to find another God. Do you mean Aaron? Aaron. Yeah. I always mispronounce those names. Yeah, you for do. some weird reason. <laughs> anyway, keep reading for us, Mon. Uh, verse 2 goes on to say, And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and he fashioned it into an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Okay, so that must have been quite a significant amount of uh, gold earrings they had. I guess it was a large population, but you know, to build a whole golden calf. But they just, they just cleaned out all the Egyptians before they left, remember? That's right. Yeah. They had cleaned out the Egyptians. And the Egyptians were fabulously wealthy, and mm-hmm. the Egyptians had basically paid them to go. Yeah. The yeah. plagues had got that bad that the Egyptians had, you know... They could then go. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, yeah, we'll go. Um, but what about, you know, this and that and the other? Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine that, you know, the Israelites at this particular point were actually quite wealthy. Yeah. They had some leverage. They'd, they gone from, they'd gone from being slaves to being fabulously wealthy, and now they build themselves a golden calf. Uh-huh. It turns out to be a bad investment because they never actually get their gold back in the end, uh, but that's another part of the story. It's true, isn't it? It's true. It's true. Um, however, let's uh, keep reading with the story and see what happens. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Oh, isn't that just a slap in the face to God? God does all that for them. And they turn and worship a golden calf and then they're like a tribute to the golden calf. Um, that, um, the golden calf brought them out of Egypt. It's just crazy. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Okay, this is a fascinating passage right here because what you find is that they actually did not reject Yahweh as such. They just began to worship Yahweh in the form of a golden calf. And so when you read about the idolatry of Israel, uh, later on in their history what happens is that they, uh, the nation splits into two. There's a civil war and you form two nations and you have Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Israel in the north... Uh, sets up golden calves as they had had in the wilderness. They just love them cows, and they, don't they? worship golden calf. They worship Yahweh in the form of a golden calf. Now, I really struggled to wrap my head around this because, as much as I love cows, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and they are the sweetest creatures on the planet. 
They are not the kind of creature that you would worship as a god. Yeah, no. Sure, they're intelligent, but they're not the most intelligent animal out there, and sometimes they are frustratingly dumb. Like, of all the animals you could pick, wouldn't you pick something like a lion or a jaguar or even like a panther or, or a something? human being? Or a squirrel? Uh, yeah, or a human being. A yep. squirrel. <laughs> I love squirrels. Uh, anyway, let's keep going. On, it's not, it's, there's right. nothing majestic about a cow. No. Um, and so you, I guess there was a cultural reason at that time that we don't, we're not privy to today and that we don't understand as to why they chose a cow. But they choose a cow and they're like, oh, no, yeah, we're, we're still worshipping God. You know, it's still the same God. It's just that uh, he's represented by a cow now. Um, how would you like it if, Mon, if there were people who really looked up to you and they're not worshipping you? We, you know, we're not mm. that, but they're like, yeah, Mon's a major celebrity. She's a big, big radio celebrity. She's known across the country. And so we're going to build a monument to, to her. And they build a cow. <laughs> I'd be a little bit offended. <laughs> I'd be like, that's very nice, yep. and I appreciate they think, they the think sentiment. I'm a, an old cow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially with the modern day connotations to being called a cow. Not like best choice. <laughs> okay, the connotations back then were very, very different from what they are now. And you sort of wonder why didn't they go with a sheep instead of a cow? You know, they were shepherds and they loved their sheep. That was kind of their occupation as being Israelites. Um, and all of your great Israelite uh, heroes were all shepherds. Moses was a shepherd. King David was a shepherd. You know, you go on down, on down through the list. And so why not pick a sheep? But anyway, they pick a cow. And uh, okay, but they're still worshipping Yahweh. They're still worshipping the correct God. So what's the problem here? Well, the fact that God said not to do that. Yeah. And I don't think God liked being represented by a cow. No. Um, it diminishes God in the eyes demeans. of the people who worship. That's true. Yeah. It diminishes, diminishes and demeans, and demeans him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they are having a big celebration. They are launching this new image. They have gathered around to worship it. And then what happens? Uh, God sends a message to okay. Moses. Mm-hmm. Verse 7, And the Lord said to Moses, Go, get down, for your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone and let my wrath, that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation." Okay, so this wow. is um, pretty full on on God's part. God's like, that's it. These guys are so privileged. That's so amazing. It's, it's, it's incredible to think where history could have turned here because the rest of the story is that Moses pleads with God not to destroy them. Yes. But can you imagine if God had destroyed them and kept his promise that he just made right there to Moses to make out of Moses a great nation? We've had a complete different group of people. Yes, we would not have Israelites. We'd right. have, would have Mosesites. Right. That would be different. It'd be very different. Harder to pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> Amongst other things. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, but yeah. Maybe that was a little bit too much levity for a breakfast <laughs> show, but anyway. It's <laughs> all so good. Yeah, it would have been very different. Like the course of history, the planet would have changed. It would have done. Yeah. And so the course of history is, is, is hanging in the balance right here. And uh, God has looked at, his people and said, you know what? They have seen 10 plagues. They have walked through the Red Sea on dry land. They have eaten manna on a daily basis. Mm. 
They have heard my personal voice from the top of the mountain. I mean, seriously, how many generations have had that level of privilege? Yeah, no, I can't remember any past that. And after having had that level of privilege, you've got an entire nation right here, right at this particular time, who, who after just a couple of weeks from hearing the voice of God, have gone, yeah, you know what? I know the Bible says thou shalt not make any carved image, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to make a carved image and we're going to uh, worship that carved image. What we're going to do now is take a quick break and we'll be right back after this. This is the Lesser Light Collective with The Lamb Wins.
Welcome back, guys. That was The Lamb Wins here on Faith FM, and we have de- definitely been talking about uh, the lamb and the sacrifice of the lamb and the followers of the lamb uh, from Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. And, of course, now we are looking at Exodus chapter 32, verse 1 to 14, where we find that uh, tragic circumstances take place where rather than following the lamb, they become followers of a cow. And, of course, they make a golden image of a cow. Okay, Mon, uh, let's have another verse there. What have you got for us? Uh, this, Where are we up to? Hang on, let me just... I've got my crochet, I've got my headphone set cable, I've got my breakfast, everything's in the way. And they're way. all tangled yeah. together. You've got a bit of a snake pit happening over there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Okay, verse 11. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Do you notice how every time they talk about who brought this stuff out and whose people they are, they seem to they keep, they keep changing? Like the Lord said, these are your people. And Moses is like, no, 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 they're your people. <laughs> every time they refer to them, there's like somebody else's people. Why should the Egyptians speak and say, he brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of of heaven and and all this land that I have spoken of, I will give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever." So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. It's okay. interesting. Yes. Uh, okay, so there's, a, there's something here that we really need to, um, to focus in on, and that is Moses' attitude towards the people. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to really uh, dig into this, delve into this, because you know Moses has a great opportunity here. God has handed him an opportunity sort of on a plate, so to speak, and he's like, here you go, Moses, I can turn you into the next Abraham. Right. I can turn you into the next um, father of many nations. We can just... I can turn you into the person who is going to be the ancestor of the Messiah, maybe even, you know, uh, a very close ancestor of the Messiah. He's basically like, we can just hit factory settings, do a reset, and you can have the whole thing the way you want it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's right. And, uh, and, And how does Moses respond? He pleads for them. He intercedes for them. He reminds God of God of all the promises that God made to um, you know, Isaac, Abraham, and Isaac and Jacob. Yes. And what kind of arguments does he use that God should not destroy these people? I mean, God's it's got actually a, very clever. Uh, th- these people have really, really blatantly rebelled against God. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not this is not just sort of like a halfway or an accidental slip. This is like bold faced in. The face of God. Oh, they, can, yeah. they can see the visible presence of God on top of the mountain. They can see the visible presence of God in the sanctuary. Mm. They are without excuse. They are eating manna every day. They got up that morning. They ate manna, and then they worshipped a golden calf. And then the Bible says they rose up to eat and to drink. They would have been eating manna and worshipping the golden calf. Moses, like, I, yeah, surely, surely that's a a really good excuse for God to say, you know what, really is. we just can't do it. It's not going to happen, Moses. Uh, so just step aside and let me just destroy them, blitz them, blitz them. I I think maybe Moses' training because he grew up as an Egyptian prince and maybe his little uh, law 
uh, units of study growing up have um, served him well here because his negotiating powers are pretty good. Because he says to God, he says, hang on, you know, you've just brought these people out of Egypt. All the Egyptians have been witness to this, like a great, you know, mighty wealthy nation like Egypt have just witnessed you freeing all of them from under their slavery rule. And then you're going to take them out here. And if you blitz them, the Egyptians are going to see that and be like, what kind of God is that who takes them out from underneath their oppression only to destroy them? It's got a good point. Okay, it's he, does, look he, bad. He, he does have a good point. Mm-hmm. And really what Moses is focusing in on here is the character of God. Right. And the justification of the character of God, which is what the great controversy is all about. And I think Moses has seen this very, very clearly, which is why Moses is like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait up right here. God, if you go down this particular path, there's going to be some objections raised by people who do not follow you, by atheists, by people in our day who, you know, imagine, you know, imagine the, the, the field day that an atheist would have with this today if God mm. had just stepped in and wiped them all out on this particular occasion. Uh, people are going to have a field day with this against you. Yeah. And so Moses is very concerned about the character of God and how God's character is portrayed. He doesn't sort of question whether God is choosing to do the right thing or the wrong thing from a moral perspective because I think everybody can recognize that, you know, these people have done a terrible thing. Yeah. They are just, you know, out of line. Mm-hmm. way out of line. And by many degrees God has probably got more than enough reasons to do what he's actually uh, threatening to do but you know Moses steps in and says look you're going to you're going to look bad how am i going how am i going to explain this to the world if you do this okay what does he do then because that's probably his most powerful argument he understands the character of God he understands that the great controversy is all about uh, restoring the knowledge of the character of God and revealing the character of God he presents this to God as, and he's having an argument with God, actually. He's arguing with God. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Sometimes I think we need to have an argument with God. So he argues with God. And he's like, no, you can't do it because of these reasons. He, he hits God with, with God with logic. Okay, but then what does he do? Well, who, what does God do? Or what does Moses do? After that, after, you mean after God's relented? Verse 32. Oh, you're not down to that far, that far yet. No, we're only at verse 15. Oh, wow. Okay, let's go down to verse 32. This is like one of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible. Verse 32. <coughs> yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. There is a massive pause in the middle of this verse, and it's the only place in the Bible that you find a pause. Did you know that? No. It's the only place that there is actually a pause written into the Bible. Yeah, look at it, look at it right there in uh, verse 32 in my translation. You'll not find that anywhere else in the Bible. Oh, wow. You saw that, right? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It's a that. big, long, blank line. Yep. Okay, that's the old KJV. Uh, and that's because the original has a pause in it, the one and only pause. And so here's how it, how it reads. And, and, and you can almost hear Moses speaking. Yet now... If you will forgive their sin, pause. And if not, block me out of your book. What's Moses just done here? He's just sacrificed himself, sacrificed his eternal life. He has. Because he's not saying, you know, take my life. Mm. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, block me out of your book. In other words, he loves these 
wicked, sinful, rebellious people so much that he would rather suffer eternal damnation to be eternally destroyed than to be in heaven without them. That makes Moses a type of Jesus Christ, a symbol of Jesus Christ, doesn't it? And this is a true example of self-sacrificing love. And really when you come to you know, the whole story of the remnant, uh, those who live at the very end of time, it is a story of self-sacrificing love. People who are prepared to put their lives on the line to defend the character of God. People who are prepared to put their lives on the line so that others can be saved. And in this case, not just their life, but Moses is prepared to put his salvation on the line so that people can be saved and spend time eternally, uh, you know, with God, so he can spend eternity with them in heaven. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. There's a man going round taking names, and he decides who to free and who to blame. Everybody won't be treated all the same. There'll be a golden ladder reaching down When the man comes around The hairs on your arm will stand up At the terror in each sip and in each sup Will you partake of that last offered cup? Or disappear into the potter's ground When the man comes around Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers One hundred million angels singing Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum Voices calling, voices crying some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree The virgins are all trimming their wicks The whirlwind is in the thorn tree It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom Then the father hen will call his chickens home The wise men will bow down before the throne And at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns When the man comes around Whoever is unjust, let him be unjust still Whoever is righteous, let him be righteous still. Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down. 
hear the pipers One hundred million angels singing Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum Voices calling, voices crying Some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree The virgins are all trimming their wicks The whirlwind is in the thorn tree It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks In measured a hundredweight and penny pound Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime event as two of our country's best Christian singer-songwriters come together in concert. October 12th, 6.30 at Maitland SDA Church. Call 0413-122-348 now to book your seat. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I've got a heart that's full of faith-filled helplessness. There are mountains ahead that I can't move by myself But I know when I'm weak, He's strong When I can barely breathe, there's still a song Even though it's hard right now, I'm not here on my own So when it seems it can't be done, I know God is big enough I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough He'll finish everything He starts We'll meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rising up Cause I know God is big enough 
days when the shadows of doubt make me feel small I declare that I don't stand in my strength at all Cause I won't live a day you didn't plan Every single moment is in your hands Even if the whole world shakes You're the rock on which I stand So when it seems it can't be done I know God is big enough I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough He'll finish everything you start Well, meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rising up Cause I know God is big enough Bigger than the fear that surrounds me Bigger than the chains that it bound me Bigger than the story my past could tell Bigger than the weight of tomorrow Bigger than the hurt and the sorrow Bigger than the lies I've told myself So when it seems it can't be done I know God is big enough I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough I'll finish everything he starts I'll meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rising up So when it seems it can't be done I know God is big enough I can run the race I'm called to run Cause I know God is big enough He'll finish everything He starts He'll meet us right here where we are And I can feel faith rising up Cause I know God is big enough Yeah, I know God is big enough Welcome back, guys. You listen to Faith FM. It is time for our quad, and that is not a motorbike. Unfortunately, yes, I do it love a little quad. It is question of the day. Yes, and dilly dilly die. Which is actually <laughs> Before we do but the quadded, we call it the quad. Question of the day. I'm going to hit you another clue for this quiz before. Oh we go yeah, there. nobody's got the quiz yet. No, but it is a little bit hard. Um, this is. Uh, let me give you two clues in one. I contained six chapters and was authored by the Apostle Paul. Okay, that's a very important clue right there because uh, it tells you that the quiz is hard because a lot of Paul's writings tend to have the same, a familiar feel to them. And so I knew that it was authored by Paul from the very first clue, but then you go, which one? And then you start to second-guess yourself. Okay. So we've got six chapters. And that in, in the sixth chapter is where you'll find um, the analogy of the armor of God. Okay. So that's all the clues I'm going to give you about this particular book. Give us a call if you know the answer, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. If you get it right, we'll send you a Bible today as chosen by Lyle. All right, there you go. The, The Bible that Mon was using for the Bible study.
Special Bible. Are you going to sign it for him, Mon? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lyle, time for question of the day. Time for day. you to what answer up. What do we got? Whatever happened to Moses? Did he die? Did he not die? How do we know? How do we not know? Like, what is going on with Moses? Uh, the Bible said he died. Are you sure? Yes. Then why is he all hanging out with Jesus? Ah, good question. So you will remember that on the Mountain of Transfiguration, exactly, it is called, uh, which means trans, change, figure, figure, Jesus' figure was changed and he became glorified, a glorified human being. That's why it's called the Mountain of Transfiguration. You remember that uh, Peter, James and John went to the top of the Mountain of Transfiguration with Jesus. His form, his figure was changed. He appeared to them in glory there. And the Bible talks about how that Moses and Elijah turned up. And it was very important uh, why these two particular individuals turned up. Now, let's talk about Elijah first, Mon. What happened to Elijah? Oh, he went up in a flaming chariot. Okay, so he never died. He was taken directly to heaven. Bible is very clear about that one. Yes, so we don't have to ask any questions about that. But the Bible is equally clear that Moses died before he went into the promised land. God took him up onto a mountain and there he passed away and thus he died. And so you've got this record of Moses. So how does Moses come back on the mountain of transfiguration if Moses is dead? The answer is found in the book of Jude. And in the book of Jude, we have an interesting occurrence that takes place. The Bible says in verse 9, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, uh, he disputed about the body of Moses, did not bring against him a, racula, a, a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Want you notice what takes place down here? You have somebody who has come down. The Bible describes this person as Michael the Archangel. Maybe we should do that question for Quad sometime. Who is Michael the Archangel? Who is going to bring Moses back to life. Satan turns up and Satan is there to stop this event. The last thing he wants is Moses being brought back to life. Moses spent, you know, what was 120 years or something opposing Satan. He doesn't want that guy around. And, uh, of course, you know, Michael the Archangel could have had a very long and detailed discussion right there with Satan about whether or not Moses should be resurrected. But Michael the Archangel simply says, the Lord rebuke you and then raises Moses from the dead. Amen. Okay. So, uh, if you want to know what happened to Moses, he died and then he was resurrected to be taken, obviously, to heaven with God. Now, why was it important that Moses and Elijah appeared on the mountain of transfiguration? Jesus was about to go to the cross. Jesus needed encouragement to see that his sacrifice would be worthwhile. Both of these people were in heaven based on the promise of the cross. If he doesn't go through with the cross, they both have to come back to this earth and die. Their salvation is gone. The only reason they can be there is based on his promise. And so you can imagine Moses and Elijah would have had some fairly uh, urgent arguments to encourage Jesus. Like, yes, please, we are enjoying it in heaven. And guess what? (laughs) Now, they wouldn't have been looking at it selfishly because Moses, you know, and particularly we know he was not a selfish person. Uh, They would have been like, you know, it's going to be worthwhile. It's going to be enough. If it wasn't going to be enough, we wouldn't be here right now. Elijah, as a representative of all those who will go to heaven without ever experiencing death, Moses, a representative of all those who would die and be resurrected. If you have a question, give us a call here. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. Jump on our Facebook or our website and you can message us through there as well.
There is a beautiful, terrible cross where though you committed no sin, Savior, you suffered the most wicked fate on the cruelest creation of men. Yet on that beautiful, terrible cross, you did what only you could. Turning that dark inspired evil of hell Into our soul's greatest good We see the love that you showed us We see the life that you lost We bow and wonder and praise you For the beautiful, terrible cross There on that beautiful, terrible cross Though darkness was strong on that hill You remain sovereign, Lord, still in control As your perfect plan was fulfilled We see the love that you showed Welcome back, guys. We've come to the end of our show here on Faith FM. Of course, we will be going for a couple of more weeks yet. So it's not the end of the end of the show, but it's the end of today's show. Uh, however, we are about to give something away for free. And uh, Tales of the Unexpected is the book for today. Tales of the Unexpected, Subversive Stories of Jesus. I literally don't even know. Mon, tell us what this one is all about. (laughs) Subversive Stories of Jesus. I confess, I don't think I even know what the word subversive means. Do you? Yeah, kind of. 
I don't think I could use it in a sentence. I'm still trying to figure out what iconoclast means and how to use that in a sentence. It's oh, iconoclast pla- is easy. It's been plaguing me ever since you launched it on me the other day. I think Next about it in the shower. Next time you destroy an image or burn a photograph or delete a photo, you are an iconoclast. Okay. I'm going to try and work it doing a sentence before the week's out. That is your challenge. Okay. On air, Mon. On air. <laughs> Okay, we're giving away a book. Be the first person to call us right now on 1-800-FAITH-FM and you can get yourself a copy of Tales of the Unexpected, The Subversive Stories of Jesus Christ. It's written by Melville Tinker with Nathan Buttery. Um, and on the back it just says this. At Christmas time, while seeing carols about gentle Jesus and meek and mild, we can miss that... We can miss that this time-dividing man had an edge about him, what he had to say. His parables are sometimes not nice spiritual stories, and that's true. Sometimes they really drove a point. Um, it, so this talks about the parables of Jesus. Um, you know, he, he was a communications genius. His parables convey important spiritual truth, appealing to young and old, rich and poor, educated and non-educated, because they're not just a story to be understood. They are a spiritual temperature gauge. Deceptively simple, often taken from everyday Palestinian life, the parables are not just aimed to inform. They don't even stop at transforming people's lives, but they go further to become part of the means Jesus uses to secure faith in men and women's hearts. They put us in touch with his mind. Give us a call if you'd like to get a copy of this book, Tales of the Unexpected, 1-800-FAITH-FM. We'll see you guys tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news.